Hey, hey, welcome back, team. You walking, talking, thinking, feeling dust specks. You weird, wild, wonderful dust specks. You any relation of adjectives strung together dust specks. Welcome back to episode four. Uh, I want to do a quick little midweek one here because my inspiration comes to me for these in many different shapes and sizes. And when I was doing the last one on perspective, which hopefully you enjoyed that, a good old idea of why winning the Powerball is nothing. It's not that important when you look at it from the standpoint that you've already won the mathematical improbability Powerball. It is you being you, right? And then you learned about it because you're filled up with neuroplasticity, episode two. And then you're super duper motivated and really pumped up to see how science can be the motivational tool to get you pumped to take on all things, everything day to day, right? Episode one. If you liked any of these, shoot me a quick review on iTunes. Let me know what's up. Love some comments. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm really excited to be doing this. I hope you're enjoying what I'm throwing out there into the audio ether. But anyways, what's going on this week? We as teachers got off MLK on Friday, Martin Luther King Jr.'s Day. Pretty awesome thing, and it should take you a second, and you should you should take a second, I guess I should say, to reflect on it. You know, why is this guy so powerful and so amazing that he gets his own day? It's because he's one of the leaders in the equality movement of all time, and it's been a big year for equality. Equality has its moments, and it's been a this has been a big one. This has been a, a wonderful day, I, a wonderful year. You know, I run the Equality Club at school, a, a club that we're trying to allow people just to be the people that they are. And this comes up in my science class. This comes up on many different standpoints. We're talking about good old evolution and bio. And when you look at it from a species level, this concept of racism is a unique thing to think about from you, when you break it down scientifically. It is a man-made thing. Species are species. Two species divert into two new species when they can no longer mate and create a viable offspring. You take any human on the planet, mate them together, male and female, bam, you get a viable baby. And therefore, we're all the same species. Therefore, race is this man-made thing. The amount of difference in DNA that is there present to change the appearance of you from black, white, Hispanic, Asian, any of the nationalities or the, the you know the races, I'm throwing up air quotes here, that we have created as mankind is just man-made. It's just tiny. I can't even, I, the, 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 the percentage of DNA differences in their alleles and genome is just so, so small. So I want that to resonate with you a little bit, and I want to think about it because, again, science motivates me, and it makes me feel connected to all things, which I'll talk about here in a second. So the major speech that MLK gave was the I Have a Dream speech, and you've many most of us have heard it. If not, you should hear it. Download it because it's amazing. Speeches are wild. The idea of speech itself should boggle your brain. You can, as a human— Take these two things that we call vocal cords, two little kind of like tendon strips inside your larynx, and you manipulate air over them, and they vibrate. They resonate and send out frequencies, send out sound waves in different wavelengths that's going to move the air because that's why, like, you know, sound doesn't travel in space. There's no medium for it to travel through, and it's going to push the air molecules into your tympanic membrane into your eardrum. It then moves these three little bones and sends these sound waves through this cochlear of this liquid that bends these neural transmitters and release these hairs that release these neural transmitters. That's a lot of science, but 
again, everything that we do is science and everything that we do is epic, right? This idea that I am just talking to you, the amazingness of talking and the amount of energy and learning that are required for me to go through my years of being a child to being an adult and being able to communicate in the way that I can do it. And then we create these technologies that allows me to record it and share it with you. So again, we're living in an awesome way. But the thing is, we're all living in the same awesome way and we're all living on the same planet and we're all in this together. And that's what these things can do. So the I have a dream speech really can change your perspectives on race and equality and really man in this together, riding around on this little spaceship Earth here. And the thing that does it for me, you know, more than the I have a dream speech, to be honest, is one of the greatest things that I've ever thought I've ever found that has actually been written, you know, aside from Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter is the best thing ever written, right? That's a bold statement to make. Yeah, that's right. Harry Potter. It's amazing. Anyways, so what I want to read for you here is a excerpt from a book so this is infectiously titled the pale blue dot and it's written by the beloved carl sagan one of the greatest science communicators of all time somebody who was actually laughed at when he was to- when he told his colleagues that he wanted to go on primetime television and share science with the masses people didn't think they'd listen and that permeated and resonated through society that so many people who are into science today can backpedal back to his Cosmos series that was on primetime television, you know, and now Neil deGrasse Tyson, executive producer with uh, Seth MacFarlane, have re-released it, and it's it's awesome. It's amazing. The science communication is blowing up, and that's what my pipe dream is with this, you know, not even with this, just in general. That'd be my dream. I love being a teacher, but I'd love to be able to be a science communicator and be able to share in the conversation into getting people stoked on the weird, wild, wonderful thing that is the science of all stuff and the science of you. But... Along the way, though, let's get this going and look at it from a human perspective and this idea of equality. And it's really important. And science can do it for you again. It can give it to you in such a great way. And this excerpt I'm going to read has changed my life. When I first heard it and read about it, it, it just resonates me. By the time I, end, end, I get done reading it or listening to it, I'm usually getting chills throughout my body. So it all came from Voyager. So this idea of this ship that was going to be sent out there that... A, forever changed our perspective on all things and that's what science does it's about perspective and perception you know you could argue race and whatever internal things you have these battles we go through is all change it's all perspective so science and technology allows us to expand our brain out there and allows us to change our perspective by changing what we can see and our senses and we integrate it into the thing that what we are our neuroplastic brains here so on September 5th, 1977, they lost. They launched Voyager 1. Voyager went out there, traveled for really, really long periods of time. At speeds, it's really hard to comprehend, over 38,000 miles per hour. This picture was not being able to be take, took until 1990, February 14th, 1990. Leaving in 1977, traveling at 38,000 miles per hour. This picture is taken at a distance of 3.7 billion miles away, or 40.5 AUs. An AU is the distance between the Earth and the Sun. So Carl Sagan gets out there, and he, he's a part of this, and he knows, and he tells the scientists that they should turn around and take a picture of Saturn. They took a picture of Saturn with something in the background that they knew would be there, and Carl did the math, and he had an understanding right from the get-go of what this picture would entail. So at first glance of the picture, and it's audio, I can't share it with you, I'll share it with you on the blog, and just search Pale Blue Dot, there's pictures of it all over. They've recently just redone the picture with Cassini in amazing detail. So he turns it around, and in the upper left-hand corner of this picture is this fuzzy little thing. Fuzzy little thing that measures roughly only 0.12 of a pixel. The entire picture in your in your frame, and this whatever you're looking at on your computer, is 640,000 pixels. 
and there's this little fuzzy dot, this little fuzzy thing in the upper left-hand corner. And you're kind of transfixed by Saturn, the rings, the beauty, the storms, and all that. It's amazing. But what you get, once you realize what this is, is that tiny little pale blue dot is this pale blue dot, is this rock that we're standing on today. It is Earth taken from a distance of 3.7 billion miles away. And from that distance, a very close celestial neighbor of Saturn, our Earth is less than a pixel. 1.2 pixels. That's just incredible. And this picture resonated with Carl Sagan so much that he wrote an entire book, and he has one excerpt from it that's the most quoted or the most, I guess you could say, famous. And that's what I'd like to read for you right here. So I'm not going to do as much justice as he did. Look on the internet and get it to him from his audio standpoint. Get it where he is actually reading it with his, his voice was amazing. It just, it's better when the author reads it. So here we go. I'm just going to read it to you. Enjoy the ride. We'll break it down a little bit afterwards, pretty much with my own opinion on what it does for me. So it starts. The spacecraft was a long way from home. I thought it would be a good idea, just after Saturn, to have them take one more glance homeward. From Saturn, the Earth would appear too small for Voyager to make out any detail. Our planet would just be a point of light, a lonely pixel, hardly distinguishable from the other points of light Voyager would see. Nearby planets, far-off suns. But precisely because of the obscurity of our world thus revealed, such a picture might be worth having. It had been said, it had been understood by the scientists and philosophers of classical antiquities that the Earth was a mere point in a vast, encompassing cosmos. But no one had ever seen it as such. So here was our first chance, and perhaps our last, for decades to come. So here they are, a mosaic of squares laid down on top of the planets in a background smattering of more distant stars. Because of the reflection of sunlight off the spacecraft, the Earth seems to be sitting in a beam of light as if it were some special significance to this small little, this small world. But it's just an accident of geometry and optics. There is no sign of humans in this picture, not our reworking of the Earth's surface, not our machines, not ourselves. From this vantage point, our obsession with nationalism is nowhere in evidence. We are too small. On a scale of worlds, humans are inconsequential, a thin film of light on an obscure and solitary lump of rock and metal. Consider again that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who has ever lived out their lives, the aggregates of all our joys and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic economic doctrines, every hunter and voyager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor, and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every supreme leader, every superstar, Every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there on a mote of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel and the scarcity in the distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatred. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors, emperors, so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck 
in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. Like it or not, for the moment, the earth is where we make our stand. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is, no per there is perhaps no better demonstration of the follies of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. It underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the only home we've ever known, the pale blue dot. So I absolutely love that reading. When I read that, I get chills. And that's what this is. And it kind of sounds negative when you break it down. But the core of it, I think, is the underscoring, like it says, the responsibility to deal more kindly with one another. If I could teach my students anything, anything, that's what I would like to teach them. If I could teach anyone who wants to listen to me something, that's what I would teach them. The fact that biology shows us that all living things on the planet, all 3.5 million species that exist today, the remaining 1% of the 100% of creatures who have ever existed on this globe in the 3.5 billion year life cycles of the 4.5 billion year old rock, that's what this is. We're all connected. We're all made of cells, made of the same DNA, putting in com being constructed of the same four macromolecules of proteins, carbs, lipids, and nucleic acids, all following through, trying to get through the same processes of life on a grander scale. And you get to sit there as a human being, the pinnacle of all species out there, with the brain and the speech and the knowledge and the technology and the higher cognition in your mind. And then around that, you look, and there's 7 billion other people on this planet, all made of the same stuff, all made of the same beautiful dust, the same cosmic debris, all made of the same elements, all walking, talking, thinking, feeling, doing their best to get through this world. And we, we, we go through the emotions. We go through the full spectrum of humankind and humanity as we go down this path. And we get choices. We can choose to be happy. We can choose to be kind to one another. It's not always going to be easy. But you sit on this rock, and like he says, that's here. That's home. That's us. Every moment, every moment as of right now that you will ever experience or ever have experienced or the person to your left and your right have experienced have taken place on this tiny little itty-bitty light that taken from a mere three planets away is less than a pixel. And when you look at it in that standpoint, when that we're all made of the same stuff, that we're going through the same things, all being guided by our inner consciousness and the weird, wild, wonderful journey our mind and bodies are going to go on, a collection of our learning experience, a conglomeration of our personalities and perspectives as we go through day to day. We're all here. There's no place else to go. This is where humanity makes its stand. This is where we ride it out. This is where we're in it together. So as you sit there and you listen or you look or you feel around you, look at the people next to you and just be kind. Be a little nicer to someone. Be a little nicer to yourself. Be your own best enemy. That little voice in your best enemy, your best friend. In that little voice in your mind, use that voice for good. When you see someone who's not smiling, who looks a little sad, call them over. Say what's up. They may be the weirdest people on the planet. They may be super uncomfortable and they may not make you feel good, but you tried. You don't know. Everyone is fighting a great battle. The person to your left and to your right has their own demons, has their own smiles and frowns, has their own everything. We're all in this together and think of the ways that you would like think of a day that you would just need someone just to say what's up how you doing right give a little wave give a little smile think of whatever it can be just do a little bit to be kind 
Because in the grand scale of this thing, in this thing that we call life, we can control one thing. We can control ourselves, and we can control our perspectives and the situations we put ourselves in. And we can look at things in a positive light or a negative light. There's going to be good days and bad. There's going to be love, hugs, and kisses. There's going to be frowns, sadness, and tears. Every experience you've ever existed is going to take place on this rock. And on the good days, ride it out, enjoy it, and try to spread that joy around to people. Be kind to all that are around you because we're all made of the same stuff. We're all walking, talking, thinking manifestations of stellar debris that has been in this universe for 13.7 billion years. The atoms that make you up have been on an incredible journey to come together to create the mathematical improbability that you are. But so does so is all that relation in relation to the person to your left and to your right we're all in this together we're all taking on this journey so let's be kind to one another let's open our hearts and our minds up understanding that we are all miraculous beautiful little despects and we're all in this together so be kind and go forth my friends